0: The following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. to do a seminar a little while ago um, on stewardship and being wise with wealth. And I was really encouraged. I was challenged. I was inspired to think about my money differently and to think about church finances differently. Uh, there were so many godly, wise principles and so many practical tools that was really, really helpful. And so I thought, yes, this is something that you know could really bless and benefit our church as we're thinking about building projects, as we're thinking about missions and thinking about all of this stuff, to have the wisdom of God when it comes to thinking about money and wealth. And so it's a great privilege for us to have him and, and to, to be in both our services and, and to, to do some practical stuff in the seminar as well. So why don't you just make him welcome as he comes and shares with us this morning. Thanks, Eric. Thank you. Cheers. Good morning. Good morning. Great to be here with you, even with the weather as it is. It was fun on the freeway this morning. I live on the central coast, so it was a fun drive this morning. Um, just a bit of background so you know who I am and what I do, uh, I'm married, I've got four kids, in fact they're actually coming to the next service, they're going to be battling the weather as well. Uh, and, uh, but why, just by way of background, for my sins I've been uh, in the financial industry for 20 years, <laughs> no, no one's asked me at the Royal Commission yet, um, and uh, really been giving financial advice for that 20 year period, but about 10 years ago just since God was wanting me to start using those skills for the body of Christ and looking at how um, I could help Christians to manage their money wisely. And so that led to me selling my first financial planning business and setting up this ministry called Wealth with Purpose. And Wealth with Purpose is about helping Christians understand what the Bible says about money and how to apply it to their day-to-day finances and their day-to-day walk. Um, So this morning I want to talk to you about financial wisdom. And what does that actually mean? But I want to begin with a question. This requires your participation. Now, I'll give you the three answers up front, okay? So the three answers are yes, no, or I'm not sure because Alex is probably trying to trick us. Okay, so they're your options, okay? And the question is this. Is Australia a financially healthy nation? Okay, so who thinks yes? Yeah, a few? Okay, who thinks no? And who thinks I'm trying to trick you? (laughs) Ah, oh, they're the smart ones. There we go. Okay, well, let me give you a bit of an insight into Australia. It might surprise you to find that Australia is the second most indebted households on planet Earth. Okay? We're the mo- second most indebted people. 50% of the population now live month to month. Okay, or paycheck to paycheck if you want to put it that way. Now, according to the Smith family, roughly 3 million Australians live in poverty and the way they define that is where your income is 50% below the median. Now, on that basis, there's something like 730,000 schoolchildren okay, living in poverty, which is frightening when you think in a nation that is as blessed as Australia that this is what's going on. And now 30% of the government's budget is social security, and that's in a country that hasn't had a recession in 28 years. Okay, So there's a lot going on underneath the surface in what appears to be a blessed country. Now when we look at the church, and I work with a lot of churches and pastors, and we look at the level of giving, and the stats aren't great there. The level of giving in church life sits at around 2 to 3%. I'll Okay, and I'll compare that to what we give to banks a bit later on. But the most common reason of divorce in Australia today is now financial conflict. Okay? So, it has a ma- so this is why we've got to talk about money, right? Because it has such a profound impact on our lives, on our marriages, and of course our relationship with God, which is particularly what I want to spend some time on. And of course you hear daily in the media about the cost of living rising and house prices and all those kind of things that bother people. So I want to, as I say, talk to you about wisdom and what does it mean to be wise. So let's, let's have a look at that. Well, let's start with a definition, and that is... Okay, wisdom is to have the power to discern and judge properly what is true and what is right. And so we need the Holy Spirit to give us the power and the wisdom to discern what is true and what is right. Now this is especially true when it comes to money because here's the problem with money, okay. How you think about money will determine how you behave with it. And how you behave with it will determine your outcome. Okay, so if what you believe about money is in fact incorrect or false, then your behavior will likely not be wise, and that may lead to negative financial outcomes. Now, one just one by way of example, of course I just mentioned the level of indebtedness in Australian society. Many people believe that you need debt in order to get ahead and to to become to build wealth. But what the Bible tells us is actually that debt Can lead to slavery, okay? Now, debt is not sinful, so I don't want anyone here feeling condemned, oh, you know, you've got lots of debt, but it can be unwise how much we have of it, okay? So we need to be discerning about how we handle these things. Of course, then we look at our modern culture today. There's a book called uh, Affluenza written by a guy called Clive Hamilton, and in this he he shows what our culture looks like. Tell me if you think you agree. He says most people spend money they don't have to buy things they don't need to impress people they don't like. <laughs> is that right? It is, isn't it? It's a bit sad, but it's the reality. And that's, so that's what we're often like as individuals. But here's the thing. Our government isn't much better. If you go back 12 years ago when we had the global financial crisis, Australia had no debt, which was one of the few countries in the world we had no government debt. Today, we're over $600 billion in just 12 years now I don't know about you but I actually consider that deeply immoral because of what we're doing to future generations of Australia by racking up all this level of debt and in the US the figures are mind boggling 20 trillion is just the government 70 trillion overall and if you ever thought America was the land of fiscal responsibility they've run deficits for 36 out of the last 40 years now all that simply means is they live beyond their means okay now Given the lack of wisdom that appears to be the case in all levels, how do we get wisdom? How do we get it? Well, the Bible tells us in James it says this If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Okay, we need to ask God for wisdom. In fact, another great passage in the book of James is it talks about that we should not only be hearers of the Word, but we need to be doers of the Word. So some of the things I'm sharing with you from God's Word, my challenge to you today is not just to hear it, because, you know, we go to church each week and we hear messages, but we've got to become doers of God's Word. We need to put it into practice. Now, it might surprise you to discover that the most talked about issue in the Bible is money. money. Okay, roughly 15% of Jesus' preaching, okay? 11 out of 39 parables and something like 2,350 verses between the Old and New Testaments about money, wealth and possessions. Now of that, something like 900 relate to just helping those in need, helping the poor, okay? So it's a big calling for us as Christians is, it's, uh, let me say this, it's not the government's job to help those in need. That, that is, sure they do in Australia significantly, but it's bankrupting the country. It is our job. We are God's plan A, B, C, okay? It's us. It's our job to help those in need. It starts with us, okay? So that's why Jesus spoke about money because money has such a profound impact on life and it has a profound impact on your relationship with God, okay? We'll unpack that. Now, what I want to share with you this morning is five spiritual principles about money and then five practical principles, okay? So we're going to unpack five of each. So the first one is this, is a wise person understands ownership. Okay, Psalm 24 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. In other words, everything that we have comes from God. And belongs to God. We are called to be his stewards, okay? Steward means to be manager of something of, that belongs to someone else. Now, many of you might have heard of a preacher in the U.S. by the name of Greg Laurie. You hear him on the radio a bit too. And uh, he tells this great story. There's this um, grandmother in the U.S. She's just been shopping in a Florida uh, shopping, mar- shopping center. She walks out of the store, walks down, she sees a car in front of her and she sees these four blokes breaking into her car. Now, of course, this is America, right? So Granny is armed. <laughs> so she gets out a gun, she scares these guys, and they bolt away. She walks over the car, gets her keys out. She's trying to put them in the side of the door. She just goes, it doesn't fit. And then she looks over the roof, and she sees her car four rows down. So she toddles off to the uh, police station, explains what happened, and, you know, really embarrassed about, you know. And uh, she looks over her shoulder, and she sees these four blokes reporting a carjacking. <laughs> Now, the moral of this story is all those cars that are out there today in the wet, they don't belong to us, okay? They belong to God. Everything we have belongs to God, including you. You were bought at a price, okay? We belong to God. And so we need to remember that everything we have belongs to God. So that's the starting point. Now, I want to give you a bit of a definition. So thanks to the internet, we can look up things very easy these days. And I found this fantastic definition of stewardship. And it said, stewardship is managing God's blessings in God's ways for God's glory. Okay? Now, I think we'd all agree that being in Australia makes us enormously blessed, just to begin with, okay? In, in so many ways. Yes, there are problems, but it, we are enormously blessed here. Are we doing it God's ways, though? And that's where I think the wheels start to come off. We're doing some things well, but the wheels are starting to come off. And then lastly, are we doing it for God's glory? In other words, are we sowing into things that will last forever? Okay? Are we sowing into eternity? Because that's what we need to do with the money that God has given us. Now, many of you would have heard of John Maxwell. Okay? He's the leadership expert from the US, and you know, might, some of you might have read his books. You can pick them up at places like Koorong. Now, this is what he says about money, which I think is really useful. He says this, When it comes to money, you can't win. If you focus on making it, you're materialistic. If you try to, but you don't make any, you're a loser. If you make a lot and keep it, you're a miser. If you make it and spend it, you're a spendthrift. If you don't care about making it, you're unambitious. If you make a lot and still have it when you die, you're a fool for trying to take it with you. The only way to really win with money is to hold it loosely and be generous with it to accomplish things of value. So here's what I want to challenge you today, to hold money loosely. Often we're holding on money tightly, and money likes to get a grip on you, okay? The devil wants money to be firmly gripped around you and holding you back. In fact, you might have remembered the name John Wesley. He's the founder of the Methodist movement a couple of hundred years ago when he lived. And there's a story about John Wesley. He was once out horseback riding, as he did in those days, no cars. And uh, this guy rode up to him on horseback and said, Mr. Wesley, Mr. Wesley. What terrible news! Your, your house is burnt down. Now let's be honest. If someone, if I came up to you and told you your house is just burnt down, let's be honest, most of us would be pretty devastated, right? Okay. But Mr. We- John Wesley sort of ponders it for a moment, and he looks back at that guy and says, "No, you're mistaken. It was the Lord's house that burnt down, and now I have one less thing to worry about." <laughs> okay. He held money loosely. Okay. So we need to hold money loosely. So that's the first thing. We've got to realize that everything we have belongs to God and we've got to hold it loosely. The second thing is this, our identity. What do you believe about yourself and who you are? Our identity has a profound impact on how we feel and think and how we behave with money. A bit of a confession here. When I was 21, I was a stockbroker and not only did I want to be successful, but I wanted to look successful. And that's very problematic when you want to look successful because what do you think someone who wants to look successful does? I had a really nice car, right? Nice suit and all these kind of things because you want to look successful because I was getting my identity from the wrong things. And that's the question. Are we getting our identity from what the world is telling us that's important? Or the world is telling us to believe these days? Our culture is changing rapidly. Christian beliefs are getting less and less acceptable. Okay, We have to live with that reality now. And so that's why our identity needs to be so firmly in God. And, And here's the thing. Do you see yourself the way God sees you? Okay, What he says in his word, in 1 John 3, it says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. We are precious children of God. That's where your identity is in what you have, what you do, okay? And John 3.16, one of the most famous passages of all time. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You are precious to God. Your identity should be found in him, not in the things of this world. And I think one of the challenges in our Western culture these days is it's one thing to know about God, It's a whole other thing to know God personally. And one of the unique and most profound things about the Christian faith is that you can know God personally. It is, no one else has that. It's amazing. And so my challenge to you is that not that you just know about God, and yes, we read the Word and we can know about God, but is that you truly know Him. And you only do that by investing time in that through prayer and reading the word. Now I know those sound things like 101 Christianity, but so many of us in the busyness of life forget to do them. Okay? Because we need to understand God's character, his provision. Okay? His power. God's not worried about recessions. Okay? He's got no lack lack of resources. Okay. God is all powerful, all knowing, and almighty, okay? There's no no problem in heaven, okay? And here's the thing with money. We often treat our problems as big and God as small. It's the other way around, okay? So that's why it's so important to know who God is. And if we don't, then look at our identity from the things of this world, from our job, um, trying to keep up with the Joneses, okay? So we've got to understand where is our sense of worth coming from. It should be from the fact that we are precious children of God. The third thing, your relationship with God will, will impact, or sorry, your relationship with money will have a profound impact on your relationship with God, okay? And I want to demonstrate this just through Scripture. If we look at Mark chapter 4, so this is the parable of the soul. I won't read the whole passage, just this final part of it, and you can see the part that I want to particularly want to emphasize. It says this, Still others like seed sown among the thorns hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what we're sown. Look, now if we we're honest, the worries of this life, yes, they might be health, but for many of us, they're money, okay? The deceitfulness of wealth, money is very seductive. I quite like traveling. I, I grew up in a family where I was very, uh, it was very um, financially abundant. We traveled a lot, so I got a bit of a, the travel bug, if you like. And so reading travel magazines, the problem for me is I've got my next world trip plan, right? Okay? And that can be deceitful. Not that there's anything wrong with travel, but sometimes we can then turn these things into idolatry where we prioritize all these other things over the kingdom of God. Okay? And that's what, why money can be very deceitful. And then there's the desire for other things, which once again are often material. And what this passage says, it's scary. It says it will choke the word of God, okay, making us unfruitful. And most of us will say we want to be fruitful Christians, but money can hold us back from being fruitful. And that's why we need to be honest with ourselves and deal with some of the spiritual aspects that money presents itself to us, okay, so that we be fruitful in our faith. Now, the other thing is in Australia, we have to ask ourselves, is the world our playground or is it our battleground? Okay, Australia is such a a blessing. I live on the central coast where everyone wants to go to the beach every five minutes, right? They don't want to go to school or work or anything. They just love the beach. It's a paradise, right? But the Bible tells us actually, no, we are in a spiritual war. It's 24-7 for the souls of mankind. And that battle is not going to end until Jesus returns. And so we need to use our resources that God has blessed us with. Some of us will have a little, some of us will have a lot. Irrespective of that, we have to use what God has given us uh, to use the resources to fund the battle. Okay? We've got to fund the battle. And that's where we are. In fact, uh, the pastor in the church I go to on the Central Coast, um, they do a lot lot of missions work, and he goes to India from time to time. And he said, he was chatting to a pastor in India that had said this to him. He said that in Australia, when we make converts, we make them members of our church. In India, when they make converts, they make them labourers. Okay? That really hit me at the time, because I was thinking, yes, Australia is just such a playground. And we, we often just go about our business. The truth is that when you become a Christian, you're in ministry. It's not just Hillary. It's all of us. You become a Christian, you're in ministry. Even if you're in a secular job, we are in ministry. And so we've got to get in the battle. And here's the thing. Money impacts everything. And that's why it can have a, a negative effect on our lives, and particularly our spiritual life and our walk with God. It affects us in terms of being idolatrous or greedy, stingy. It affects our attitudes, Okay. Our fears and worries. Now, according to the government, th- uh, something like 32% of Australians now have mortgage stress. Okay? This is with record low interest rates. We've got 32% in mortgage stress. How many people lie in bed at night worrying whether they can pay their bills and their mortgages? Okay? Relationships. Okay? Anyone ever lent money to someone? What does that do to your relationship? Okay? In fact, there's a joke. There's a joke. Decide, if you're going to lend money to someone, decide which one you want to keep, the money or the friend. (laughs) Okay? Because that's what money does. It has an effect on people. And lastly, of course, our marriages. Money has a big effect on marriages and, of course, our fruitfulness. So this is the issue here. Your money will have a profound impact on your relationship with God. So we have to be honest with ourselves and ask ourselves, is it affecting our relationship with God? Is money affecting us? That's what we need to ask. And Jesus warned us. He said this: No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, in some versions of the Bible, I think like the King James, it uses the word mammon, not money. And mammon is like a, um, if you like, an evil spirit. That when you when you fall in love with money, you, you start serving it. Okay, so the danger of money, not money itself is just a tool. But when you fall in love with it, you start serving it. And it's a terrible, terrible master. Okay, And so that's why we have to decide who's the boss, you or your money. Okay? We've got to use and treat money as a tool. Okay? Money should be your tool for doing good. In fact, we're launching a, a, another event later this year called Kingdom Invest. And the theme of it is do well, do good. Because I believe that God wants you to do well. He wants you to, you know, to be financially in good order, but He wants you to do good with it. Okay, it's about doing good. So money should be our tool, and we need to take control of it. In fact, on that point, not only take control, but we need to take responsibility. Okay, um, Matthew seven says this: it says, "Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock." Friends, the global financial crisis that hit 12 years ago, okay, where stock markets, Australian market fell 55%, uh, and un- you know unemployment rose, and all these sorts of things happen around the world. I personally believe we're probably not too far away from the next one because what's happened since that previous global financial crisis is the level of debt around the world has gone up 50% in just 12 years. Okay, so. We need to take responsibility and we need to align our finances with God's word, okay? We need to do things God's way. If you want God's protection, you've got to do it his way. can't just do it the world's way. And so we need to take personal responsibility for that. We can't be like everyone else. We live in a culture now that's increasingly victim-orientated. We want to blame others. Blame the banks, okay? Look how nasty they are. Look at the Royal Commission. Blame the banks. Blame the government. But I want to urge you to take action and create your own financial plan. Now, I'm not talking about creating a 50-page uh, document like me as the financial planner does for people, but it could be two pages. But how are you going to use the money that God has given you? How are you going to make sure you protect your family? How are you going to save for the future? How are you going to live generously what God's given you, okay? Have a plan for the future, okay? That's what we need to do. And align your finances with God's Word. The fifth thing. Have a wise attitude. Now, this is one of my favorite verses. It's from Deuteronomy 8, verse 18 in the Old Testament. So it says, But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. I think one of the problems in Australia is our prosperity has now become our Achilles heel. The thing about Australia is over the last 50 years, no surprise, you don't have to look at the laws going through our parliament, that we've drifted further and further away from God and God's way of doing things but why one of the things here it says remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the ability to gain wealth see what happens when people gain wealth they forget God they just think they don't need God anymore the government will provide my bank account will provide my share portfolio will provide and so we need to remember actually it's all from God and it's He who gives us the ability. There should be no arrogance in the body of Christ when someone becomes wealthy because it's from God anyway. It's God that gave them the ability. So there's, in fact, they take have a huge responsibility. The Bible says to whom much is given, much is expected. Okay? So they're the five spiritual principles. So we need to understand ownership, that everything we have belongs to God. Second thing, that we know who we are in Christ, that we get our identity right and that we truly know God and that we understand our relationship with money. Have we put money in the right place? Are we putting it as our tool rather than letting it be our master? Are we taking responsibility for our own financial situations? Okay, And do we have a wise attitude? Do we remember God and where it comes from in the first place? So they're the five spiritual ones. Now let's get into the practical side of it. Okay, now, many of you would have heard of good old Rick Warren from the US. He once said this, he said, most people don't have money problems, they have management problems. And I think that's right. In Australia, the vast majority of us have a job that's reasonably paid. Okay? It might not be wow, but it's reasonable. Okay? So we don't necessarily have a money problem per se, but how we're managing it may be much more problematic. Okay? So the first thing we need to get is spending wisdom. We need to learn to handle our money well and get wisdom over this. Now, of course, the key thing a financial plan, I tell you, have a budget. Okay, now that word makes people cringe often. But let me just give you a biblical basis firstly and then talk about what it means. So Luke 14 says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? Okay, Now, a budget is simply this. How much money is coming into your house versus how much money is going out. Now, the key is to have a surplus. Because if you don't have a surplus, you're in deficit and you're going backwards and you're probably getting into debt and credit card debt and so forth. And so what you do with that surplus in the long run will have a big effect on your overall financial health. But people often say to me, Alex, that's all well and good, but what's a good budget look like? So I want to give you a simple formula that we teach in churches, and that is this. It's called the 80-10-10 rule. That is that the first 10% I call forgiving to God, okay? Um, you know, the Bible is full of firsts. Seek first his kingdom. We need to. It's all well and good as Christians to say we put God first in our life, but is he first with your money? Yeah, that's good. Okay? It's challenging, but, but is he first with our money? So start 10% minimum to God. Then 10% for long-term savings. So... Deferred consumption, setting money aside for the future. And then try and live on 80% of what you earn. Okay, So this is called living beneath your means. The only way to get ahead financially is to live beneath your means. Okay? So that's a practical step there. Now a the big issue in Australia, particularly in Sydney, is house prices and accommodation expense, rent, etc. Try and keep it to 30% at the most, no more than 30%. Because once you go above that, you're going to start impacting all sorts of other things, your lifestyle and your ability to give generously. So try and keep it below that level. And then, of course, you've got to decide what you want to do with your surplus. Now, this is not meant to be legalistic in any way or a theological argument. It's a starting point. It's a framework to help you start thinking through how you're going to manage your money. Okay? Now, people often say to me, Alex, well, that's all well and good, but I've done a budget and it doesn't work. Okay, now, the reason for this, uh, one of the things I mentioned at the start was how you think about money will determine how you behave with money. 90% of your success with money is determined by your behaviour. Okay, so you need to behave well with money. So what I recommend is what we call a bucket-based approach. We have a couple of different accounts. Now, all of you should have an emergency fund because if a rainy day comes... (laughs) Then you need to make sure you've got reserves. You know, if you lose your job, you get made redundant. All these sort of things that can happen. They happen from time to time. You need to have your rainy day family. So that's one bucket. You need your everyday spending bucket. And then you need your bucket for long-term savings and so forth. Now, I I don't want to dictate how many buckets you have. Some people have a holiday, but they have all sorts of buckets, right? Keep it simple is my argument. But you need to control your behaviour. Okay, that's the key issue here. Because if you want to get ahead financially, you need to control how you behave with money. So that's the first thing. We need to become wise with how we spend our money. The second thing is this, debt. We need to become wise about how we handle debt. So as I mentioned before, debt is not sinful. But how much we have may be a reflection of our wisdom. Now I want to give you... A bit of a reality of Australia. So, as I mentioned before, Australia is the second most indebted households on earth. So, this is a graph from the Reserve Bank. I know it seems a bit weird showing something like this in church, but but nonetheless, on the left-hand side, it shows you debt as a percentage of people's incomes. That's currently 194% in Australia. Back in the last recession in 1990, it was only 60%. Now, what it really means is for every dollar earned in Australia, a dollar 94 is borrowed. Okay. Now, here's the real issue. The one on the right shows you the interest that is paid by the average household to the bank, okay? Now, we've just talked about spending and how you manage your budget, and the average Aussie is giving 9% of their income to the bank, which, given the recent Royal Commission, perhaps is not that wise. And as I say to pastors, I say the average Aussie Christian is tithing to the bank, okay? That's what we're doing. We're giving 9% of our income. Now, what's scary about this graph, though, anyone here have a home loan in the ni- at 1990? You all look too young. <laughs> but in 1990, anyone know what home loan rates were? 17%, okay? So at that time, people were paying 10% of their income in interest. Today, they're paying similar percentage, but what's the difference? What can you get a home loan for? About 3.5%, thereabouts. So what's going to happen to that graph and your budget when interest rates one day rise again. Now, the Bible says this. It says in Proverbs 22, the rich rules over the poor and the servant becomes enslaved to the lender. Okay, the borrower becomes enslaved to the lender. And that's what we need to be very careful of. My fear for Australia is that many people become enslaved to the bank. Okay, the Bible warns us about these sort of things. So what does the Bible say? Well, it says one who sakes... uh, one who has no sense shakes hands in pledge and puts up security for a neighbour so in other words don't guarantee somebody else's debt okay and as I say Proverbs 22 says the rich rules over the poor and the borrower becomes the lender's slave now does anyone know where the word mortgage comes from any brave souls okay the word mortgage it's a French word mort equals death gauge equals pledge now they don't tell you this on the bank documents do they That when you take out a mortgage, you're entering into a death pledge. (laughs) Now, the thing about this is, we have to take these things seriously because the Bible says the wicked don't repay. We actually, if you take on a debt, you can't blame the bank if you can't pay it back. We have to take responsibility for any debts that we enter into. Okay? In some parts of the world, you go to jail. If you don't pay your debt. In fact, I- in Dubai, I had some, a lot of Australians went there pre-GFC, and when the GFC hit, many of them got made redundant, and the advice to them was, if you can't afford to pay your mortgage, drive to the airport, leave your car and get out. That was the advice given to them, because you get arrested. Okay? That's how serious debt can be. So here's some just little tidbits there. Now, if you have a credit card, I'm a very uh, anti-credit card. All the points programs in the world, all designed to get you to spend, Okay? So if you have a credit card, switch to a debit card. You can still do all the online transactions, everything. So get out of this credit card mentality we have in our society. The other thing is when you go for a home loan, borrow less than what the bank will give you. I would suggest you borrow 20 to 30% less. Because you think about it from the bank's point of view. They want you to be able to repay it, but they want you to repay it slowly. Okay? They don't want you to pay it back quickly. So borrow less than what they give you. Okay? And make sure your mortgage doesn't exceed 30% of your net income. I would actually argue, given how low rates are at the moment, I would suggest that figure should even be lower than that still, which I appreciate in Sydney is not that easy, given how absurd house prices are. And adopt a debt-free mindset. Okay? Debt's not sinful, but we do need to be very wise about how we go about it. Okay, Th- step three. Protect your family. Have wisdom around your family, okay? In Australia, we have chronic over-indebtedness but chronic under-insurance. Now, the problem is, as the Bible tells us, it says, a sensible man watches for problems ahead and prepares to meet them. The simpleton never looks and suffers the consequences, okay? So we need to prepare. I might get cancer. I might have a heart attack. I don't know what might happen to me but I can prepare for these things. And the issue here is not the probability of it happening to you, Okay? That's not the issue. It's not the probability. It's the impact on your life if it does. Okay? So the likelihood of a 60-year-old getting sick is much higher than a 25-year-old. But the impact on the 25-year-old who may have just got married and has two little kids is far greater than the 60-year-old who's already paid off their mortgage okay so it's not the probability it's the impact on your life if it does and so that leads to all sorts of personal insurances now I don't want to get into this we're going to be talking about that in the seminar later on this afternoon but there's things like life insurance and income protection and things you can do to protect your family to make sure they're all right if something happens to you okay so we need to have wisdom here about looking after our families don't live with this lie that something, nothing will ever happen to me, okay? The Bible makes this very clear. We live in a fallen world, okay? Things can happen, so we need to be wise. Step four, we need to have relational wisdom, okay? And that's just talking to the married couples in the room and those who are even thinking about getting married. We need to be wise together. As I said, the number one cause of divorce in Australia, financial conflict, okay? We need to acknowledge that men and women are different. and That's actually a good thing. God puts us together to complement each other and help us make wise decisions and so my first thing here is you need to make decisions jointly okay you need to talk it to each other and agree on these things now it takes may take time money does cause conflict but we need to work through some of these things so that we make decisions jointly. as a financial planner what often happens is new clients will come and see me husband and wife and then a year or two later only one of them comes because one is interested and the other's not. And so I have a policy, I insist that if you're a client of mine, both of you have to come at least once a year because it's not acceptable to say that it's the other one's job. It's not acceptable. We have to do it jointly. They may do the admin side of it and pay the bills, etc., but we need to make decisions jointly about what we're going to do with God's money. Okay? It's a joint decision. Joint bank accounts, that's all about transparency. Okay? We live in a culture that says we're all going to be independent. Well, actually, no, we are going to be interdependent and dependent on God. So I'd advise joint bank accounts. There are some exceptions. Of course, we need to learn to be graceful and forgiving because sure as eggs are eggs, at some point your spouse is going to do something with money that you don't like. Okay? Often the com- competition with husbands and wives is, is a misunderstanding of a need versus a want. Okay. So all these things. And we need to talk about money more regularly. I suggest you go on a money date. Now, this is a tempting thought, isn't it? Go on a money date. Talk about money more regularly. Now, the last things so we're running out of time, is take a long-term approach to these things, okay? Christians shouldn't be into this whole get-rich-quick thing and retire as early as they possibly can and all this sort of stuff, right? Okay, we need to take a long-term approach. So I mentioned before about saving 10% of your income. So we should save 10% and then invest in things that multiply. Now, what do I mean by that? Let's pick on McDonald's. How many stores does McDonald's have around the world? Any idea? About 36,000, okay, in 108 countries. Now, the reason why they've been able to do that is because they operate a particular business model that's called franchising, franchising, okay, where you're using other people's capital. Now, that's a multiplication model. So my point here is you want to save for the rainy day, save for the future, and invest in things that multiply. Now, I'm not suggesting you invest in McDonald's tomorrow. (laughs) Um, but we need to save for the future save for retirement things like that now I don't as a Christian I don't believe in retirement per se but there is a practical reality that many of us will physically be unable to go to work at some point in the future so we need to prepare for those things of course we should set aside money for a rainy day and people have an emergency fund I say to people you should have roughly six months worth of living expenses set aside now that may sound like a lot but very easy to start to get there going. If you've got loose things lying around your garage, go on to Gumtree, flog a few things off, and there you know you've got your emergency fund straight away. Okay? So have money for a rainy day. And then lastly, and most importantly, live generously with what God has given you. Okay? I'm 43. I cannot believe how quickly life has gone. It flies by. And we've got to use it wisely. We've got to invest in things that multiply. In fact, John Wesley, who has a story I told you about before, he famously said, make all you can, save all you can, give all you can. And that's what I really want to encourage you to give all you can. So there are the five practical principles. Get your spending right, get out of debt, protect your family. As a couple, work together on all these issues and invest for the long term and live generously with what God's given you. So... We need to learn to become good stewards of what God has blessed us with, to become financially wise. So on that note, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a good God, that you love us, and Lord, that you are our provider, our Jehovah Jireh. And Lord, we today, we acknowledge that everything that we have is in fact yours. And Lord, we hand it over to you. And Lord, we ask that you give each person here wisdom, wisdom to use what they've been given wisely, Lord, that may they steward it for your glory. Lord, ask for your protection over everyone here um, through whatever storms may come, Lord, that you'll protect them and that you'll give them uh, a sound mind and no fear, Lord, and that they will always trust in you because you are our great, great God. These things we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.